0: Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. everybody. Welcome to The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we are from MindRobber.net, which happens to be the home site of Mind Robber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts, uh, like this one, where we talk about Doctor Who. And then there's also our flagship podcast called The Mind Robbers, where we talk about lots of other things that aren't Doctor Who most of the time. If you like our shows... Uh, You should review them on iTunes because that helps us out. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, really any cool thing you might feel like sharing, you can email those things to podcast at net, Or you can comment on this episode and the other episodes you've listened to uh, on the website, mindrubber.net, if if it's related. Really, even if it's not, it's fine. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the John Pertwee story, Planet of the Spiders, which is a six-part story, which also happens to be the final John Pertwee story. Uh, So there's that as far as significance, but uh, what else you got? What else
1: I got? Uh, Yeah, it's the last John Pertwee story, Uh, so it's the last to feature him. Um, I mean, you know, he did the five doctors after this, but this is his last, like, story as the incumbent doctor. Um, It's also the last to be script edited by Terrence Dix, who had uh, previously... Script edited the previous five years of Pertwee's One, which was the whole thing, really. Um, and then going back about half a season, he did the last half season of Troughton, uh, starting with the Invasion. So, like, he's been around for a while, and he was one of the co-creators of the Time Lords, and, you know, he was moving on. He'd go on to write Robot right after this. Uh, and it's, you know, it's the it's directed by... Barry Letts, um, who, you know, was allowed to direct one Doctor Who story a season. Barry Letts being the producer for every John Pertwee story except for Spearhead from Space. Um, So, you know, he'd been around for a while. And as I like to just think, like, as I think about it, like, one of the things that strikes me about the Pertwee era is it's really the only Doctor in all of Doctor Who outside of Colin. Well, Colin Baker and I guess the seventh Doctor had it the same, but they didn't go for as long. To have, like, uh, just a consistent production team. So, like, every story, say for one, is produced by Barry Letts, Every story is script edited by Terrence Dix, And every story features, or, I mean, I guess stars John Pertwee. So it's kind of like an end of an era. And it's one of those things where... um They really wanted to go out with a bang. The original conception for the episode was they wanted to bring in Roger Delgado because Roger Delgado didn't want to be the master anymore. He's like, I'll do this one more time. And they were like, "Okay, well, we could bring you out in a really big story. And Roger Delgado was like, yeah, let's do this. So they bring in Robert Sloman, who had previously uh, written all of Pertwee's uh, season enders except for Inferno. So like, you know, this is going to be his fourth season ender in a row. And uh, So they brought in Robert Sloman, who was going to work with uh, Barry Letts on the script, and they wrote this story that was like a big, climactic, master-doctor story about the truth of the master. Was he—who was he? Was he the doctor's brother? Was he like an old friend? Who was he? All that stuff was going to be in it. And then uh, Roger Delgado died in a car crash— um, uh, right before, like, not right before this story was made, but you know they had some lead time, and they basically said, okay, well, we need to scrap the whole thing because we're not recasting, and John and uh, John Pertwee was like, you know, that's one of the big things that made him want to leave. Um, so they threw out the whole thing and they did Planet of the Spiders, which is a uh, you know, it's it's often it's often just called a Pertwee's greatest hits, and every time I watch it, I'm just reminded how much it just does every single thing that the <laughs> era does for good and for ill um you know it's massively padded in the middle uh but it you know it's got it's got a lot of stuff and so that's uh that's the whole thing really uh it's also worth noting that this is the i guess it's the only story in the history of Doctor Who to be written and directed by the same person um no writer has ever directed the, directed their own story for Doctor Who, except for this one. I mean, it's credited to Robert Sloman, but Barry Letts definitely was, like, writing the script with Sloman. He just wasn't credited for it. So, it's written, directed, and, uh, produced by one dude, which is pretty, I mean, it's pretty altruistic I think it's about as auturistic as you get in Doctor Who. So, that's, um, that's Planet of the Spiders. It's a cool thing. It's a cool thing.
0: Alright, well, uh, before we start Uh, talking about it in any significant manner, Uh, I should probably remind you that uh, we're sponsored by InStockTrades.com. This month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our next book of the month, Revolver, by Matt Kint. And it's available for only $11.99, which is 40% off the suggested retail price of $19.99. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping, so thanks to InStockTrades.com. Uh, All right, so Planet of the Spiders, Um, the first thing we need to talk about is the Brigadier's hair because, <laughs> look, <laughs> he needs a haircut. Yeah. It's out of control. <laughs> it's out of control. Yeah, it's
1: pretty, um, uh, pretty 70s.
0: It's super shaggy. Uh, and way out of character. It's ludicrous. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody.
1: All uh, right, there we go. Good talk. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. No, I think I think calling this John Pertwee's big uh, greatest hits is extremely apt. because mm-hmm. um, I mean it features everything. That uh Pertwee story could ever uh could ever feature, except for the master, unfortunately. Yes. And it would have featured that if it could have. Yes. Um So uh, you know, it's 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 really padded, but it's padded in a way that's so ludicrous. Like when you watch the beginning of this episode. And then you think about the end of the, of the story It really is just like It's like a Simpsons episode Where you're just like How did you get from there to here? I don't <laughs> What? It's, it's uh, very
1: free associating um, Yeah Especially that uh,
0: Oh yeah Oh yeah <laughs> uh, But it's Man it's fun And uh, that, that 10 minute chase sequence In uh, episode 2 That is a thing of legend that's what that is. <laughs> that is... That well, is the most entertaining,
1: least dynamic chase scene I've ever seen in my life. My my favorite way of uh, describing that chase scene whenever I want to poke a really big hole in it is... There's that part where Lupton has abandoned the Who-Mobile and is hiding on the ru- like just off the runway in the bushes and everyone's like arguing with the police officer about whether or not the police should be arresting someone and lupton's like i see a helicopter halfway across the runway i'm gonna get in it so you see him get up and then joe turns around and like standing right like n- you mean maybe sarah? A- yeah y- huh you mean sarah Oh, no, sorry, it's Sarah. I apologize. Yeah. I'm just, just Joe Place. I apologize. Sarah, Sarah turns around and says, Luke, look, now, before we come back to Lupton and what Lupton's doing, I would like to point out that right about 15 feet away from this helicopter, 20 max, are the brigadier, the doctor, Sarah Jane, Benton, and a police officer. Lupton ran all the way across a runway Put on a helmet, got in a helicopter, and started to take off before they noticed him at all. Uh, and I think it's just—it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's just like, where were you guys? Like, where were you for all of this? Uh, it's just—it's completely crazy, and it's—and it's—and it—it's not like super dynamic, but it's one of those things like we were talking before the show where it's just like, you can hate this because it's—you know—it's so. Completely ludicrous, and even Barry Letts on like the special features is like, you know, that chase scene didn't really make a whole lot of sense because it's it's really like all of the toys were just lined up and they just kept grabbing them as they ran past. Um, it, it you can you can really just hate it, and a lot of people do, but I like I like I just I love to go in it and just be like, you know, I'm just gonna enjoy this because if not, I'm gonna be bored for ten minutes. Um, it's just. It's- it's completely insane. Even the police officer is just like the worst. Like it's just like so bad as comedy. Like it's the, <laughs> it's such like ridiculously like weak eh, war comedy out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hilarious. I don't know. I freaking I love it.
0: I yeah. I I love the chase sequence. I love it to pieces. Yeah, because it's <laughs> just so it's lethargically paced. Which is, it makes it even funnier. Like, and the idea that it just keeps going and going. It's literally half of an episode.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That is stellar.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine doing something like that today? Like, having half an episode be a chase sequence? Like, it's just... It's just oh, God. It's just nuts, dude. It's, it's the craziest... It's the craziest thing. Like, just an entire act being a chase sequence on a major television show. Like, it's just... I'd like to see it, but at the same time, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just it's just crazy. And there's stuff where it's like they do really clever directorial things where they'll be like, oh, take that side road. It'll cut off. But the way it's directed, it just looks like they made a bigger arc, <laughs> like just a bigger loop than anything else because it cuts off to the 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 Bessie cuts off to the left and then comes back in from the right and it just looks like you know Lupton made a straight shot and Bessie like took the long way around (laughs) and there's there's a hovercraft there's the wonderfully like
0: just dude when that guy pulls up in the hovercraft he looks like he's just like he skids to a stop like a badass (laughs) so
1: funny and just gets out just like what up
0: just, yeah, just. and he gets out, he gets out, and then the guy in the other boat, like, gets out, like, the regular boat, and then uh, Lupton comes over and pushes him into the water out of the way, and then the other guy's like, hey, and then he zaps him, <laughs> uh, and he's just, like, like force lightnings him or whatever, and then, uh, like, I feel like that... Uh,
1: uh, did he really have to push the other guy in the water? Couldn't he have just zapped him from a distance at that point? That was his—that was his kick the dog moment. Like, just like I'm a bad guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it doesn't make any sense. It's just like they want to see someone splash, which is funny because then he Lupton pushes another guy off the boat, which is hysterical. Um, <laughs> but I also love it because like when Lupton like pushes the boat out to sea, it's just like it takes forever to get the boat started, and he's it's just, just like. Slowly listing around the river or wherever it is. So long, so as, funny. As long as the doctor can show up in a hovercraft, and then the hovercraft cuts across an eye like an island. How that works, I'm not really sure. Um, I guess, I guess it got that speed boost from jump from running over that guy. You know, like an arrow in a in a in a racing game or something. Like that's what I imagine that be. Oh my God. John John Pertwee gets uh gets strength and speed from from training people who like to take naps um but yeah it's it's just crazy and the who mobile just like flies the who mobile is like the major set piece of this it's just it's so crazy it's just oh, the who mobile (laughs) the second appearance apparently
0: apparently no because apparently no one told john pertwee in the four years that he played the doctor uh five years sorry five years four years five five okay um, I was right the second, the first time I corrected myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no one told John Pertwee in the five years that he played the role that he's not actually called Dr. Who. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently.
1: Yeah. That's a choice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Second appearance of the Who-mobile, like not brought up here, like brought up. Earlier in the season, because they were like, "Well, I guess we're we need to introduce it." And it it's much better used here than it is in the first appearance, which was an invasion of the dinosaurs. Um, where it's literally it's ludicrous. Just, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, invasion of the dinosaurs. Um, actually, that's the thing I wanted to mention about this. Uh, just to take us away from the chase sequence, I guess. Um, I love the way that this like plays off of the last unit story, which was invasion of the dinosaurs, because. The way that this season works is it goes Time Warrior, which we've talked about, and then it does Invasion of the Dinosaurs, which is, like, a unit story. And then it does Death of the Daleks, which has nothing to do with anything and is really not good. And then it has Monster Paladin, which is, like, arguably the worst per story. It's so bad. And then it does this one. And, like, what you get in this is you get a really wonderful sort of, like, look at unit after it's kind of collapsed and this is like unit's last gasp after Invasion of the Dinosaurs because the loss of Yates and I won't say what happens with Yates and in Invasion of the Dinosaurs but the loss of Yates is a real like it's a real bloaty unit and it takes and they really do a good job of um, I don't know giving him something really cool to do and uh, like an interesting sort of character thing you know it's just I love seeing Yates here and especially because like I the first time I watched this I hadn't seen Invasion of the Dinosaurs so I was like what what the hell happened? What the hell happened to Yates? And why isn't he here? And it's um, uh-uh. it's just nice how it builds off of that, uh, mm-hmm. and you know goes in kind of a different direction. Um, and it, you yeah. know, the reappearance of Yates in his last appearance actually, uh, just brings it home as a big old full fir- full circle story, which it you know it is, as a story. So just wanted to mention that as a cool thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. I feel like maybe they get around uh, the extremely racist depiction of a character in this by saying it's a Time Lord, so it can't be racist. <laughs> I think that's what they did. Yeah. I, I don't think... even know what that accent is. I, I'm i like, is he supposed to be Indian or? It's
1: Tibetan. Is Tibetan Tibet- language? What does that mean? I don't know. Is that fr- what? from t- of Tibet? I think it uh, is I, now
0: pardon my ignorance, but is <laughs> Tibetan like, uh, God, you can't even say Asian cause that's a whole continent. Technically Russians are Asian. Um, yeah. are they, uh, like, are they like, or, or like, <laughs> okay. what is, what, ha, what's the politically correct term for <laughs> what I'm thinking?
1: Asians. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's, it's East a, Asian. It's it's like. I guess I, the anyway, politically way incorrect term would be Indochina, but I mean, I guess that's wrong. Um, yeah, uh, Chinese
0: esque. That's what I'll go with. Yeah,
1: it's it's like a, it's like it's like you know that it's like between China and India, so it's like around that area. So it's uh, a combo. It. So it's a combo thing. So, <laughs> I guess if you want to put it like that, yeah.
0: Well, no, yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to understand where this performance is coming from that's all because it's a white dude in brown face who's like uh, using a an accent that can only be described as pseudo chinese pseudo chinese yeah yeah but he's not he doesn't have like like Chinese eyes or anything like he's just he's not even squinting so it's not even like he's faking it
1: yeah it's not like the yellow face of uh uh, talons of wing chiang or anything it's like it's like it's like like brown face but with a Chinese accent it's 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 bizarre it's really weird um (laughs) and yeah I think they realized it
0: (laughs) I think they realized it by episode six because they were like oh yeah a time lord it's fine (laughs) it's fine
1: He's it's not just, anything. Look, See, it's not guys. us. It's not us being racist. It's just, you know, Kampo Rinpoche, old guy, really set in his ways, just doesn't. No,
0: it's it. like, well, no, it's just them saying we can't be racist because he's not any nationality. So, ha, <laughs> <laughs> we beat uh. you. Time Lords could be anything. <laughs> we could have given him red face. That's how I took that in episode Uh. six. They're like, somebody cover up this racism.
1: (laughs) See, my argument is actually, you almost overlook Choji because of Tommy. Because I find Tommy much more problematic as a (laughs) character. (laughs) Because you watch it and you're just like, oh, oh, no. Just please don't have him talk like this. (laughs) Like, it's just like the worst. (laughs) It's just bad (laughs) because like like, I don't know for one thing he's like you know he's mentally challenged I suppose I'm not sure the PC term or what have you but he's mentally Uh. challenged but he also happens to be a massive kleptomaniac like just just yep and then he gets better yeah oh well you know the wisdom has (laughs) fixed him Um, he gets better (laughs) because
0: apparently the wisdom uh, is actually like an extra chromosome or something I don't know I don't... I I don't know what's happening with yeah. these two characters. Uh, but no, you're not wrong. You're not <laughs> wrong. They covered up the racism with a really poorly executed, mentally challenged character. And the fact that the, the racist character ends up being a Time Lord.
1: Yes. So, yeah. So, really, no one can actually complain about this. That's what I'm hearing. Like- Ugh. It's ridiculous. It's beyond complaining. Oh, Oh no. Oh, God. Like, it's actually... I will say this about Tommy, uh, played by John Kane. Uh, The best part about Tommy is, like, him in episodes five and six, because really, honestly, I think the cliffhanger to episode six is amazing. Like, I don't know. I just... Every time I watch episode six, I just see it and see the the spider-possessed Buddhist monks coming after Tommy and... And they're zapping you mean, at, him. you mean at the end of episode five? Yeah, episode five. That's what I meant. Um, okay,
0: I was like, I was like, I, I don't know, man. We've seen the ending to episode six like seven times. I don't, <laughs> I don't really see how this one's that special. <laughs> I was really confused. I was like, really? That's impressive. Okay.
1: No, no. Episode five. Because I, I don't know. It just feels like one of those things where it's like the doctor is talking to his mentor and Sarah Jane's in there. And you can kind of, I mean, it, that you can really tell that Sarah Jane is possessed by the queen. Like, it's not. It's just so it's so obvious. And like, you just, I don't know. There's something about the excitement of seeing the quote unquote fixed Tommy just standing out and fighting while the doctor takes care of what he needs to. It's kind of like the like the top of the roller coaster before you go racing back down, you know? Yeah. I, and every time I watch it, I just feel it, like, Which is interesting because it's not like... I don't know, I've definitely seen better, like, penultimate cliffhangers. But there's something sure. about it w- where it's like the regeneration... Regeneration stories always have that extra weight to them that make their cliffhangers that much cooler. Um, right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I also
0: like that they're playing with his regeneration this entire time, Mm -hmm. because it's obvious that, like, they didn't air this story without telling everyone that this is the last John Pertwee story. So, throughout it, there's lots of times where the Doctor almost dies. (laughs) Um, There's even a cliffhanger. What is that, episode four? Uh, The cliffhanger? It's episode three. Episode three, where he... Where they're just like, oh, no, he's
1: dead. Where they zap him. Yeah, that's three. Yeah. And episode four – because episode four is the doctor being captured. Um, Because episode four is the, yes, let's just stretch this one out a little bit longer episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, what's the deal with science fiction in general? This is definitely not just a Doctor Who problem. This is an all science fiction problem. Uh, Why do we have to number planets?
1: I don't, like, know, I don't know. Like. Why can't well, no, you just it's, think it's, of a new name. <laughs> it's because it's because they um they name planets after stars because there's a lot more planets than there are stars. So Metabilis 3 is the third planet orbiting the star Metabilus. Like that's what that would be.
0: Oh. Yeah. And so like they it doesn't have a real name or or at least to them because they didn't they're not native to the planet but like the planet natives
1: wouldn't call it that they would call it something else right right exactly um and so so they call it something different but the tardis probably translated it creates so, it as metabilis 3 or they just i don't know they're ignorant actually it's also because the the natives of metabilis 3 are uh former astronauts like they they mentioned that they turned metabilis 3 into a colony. Um, oh yeah. So that's why they call it Metabulous Three because they just never they just never rechristened it. You know, this isn't a Titan AE situation where he just gets to rename New Earth Planet Bob. Um, I don't <laughs> think that was a good example. Anyways, uh- <laughs>
0: it's really weird that you mentioned Titan AE because I just added that movie to my Netflix
1: queue today, dude. Well, it's I mean, did you see the writing cre- credits on that film? Yeah. <laughs> That's what made me add it. I was like, what? Have you not seen it? No, I've never seen oh, it. Oh, it's it's great. It's like, isn't it like Ben Edlin, John August, and Joss Whedon? Like Yeah. It's crazy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Titan A is pretty great. It is pretty uh it's pretty great. And you can like when you watch it, you'll see Joss Whedon lines all over the place. Um But uh but yeah, Metabulous three. Um and there are people on Metabulous three. So that's funny. But that's why that's why they name uh, that's why they named it Metabulous 3 is cuz okay, the, that makes start around that. I think that they actually um it's interesting cuz one of the criticisms of this story is that the ending point with the doctor where the doctor says that he's greedy for knowledge is an interesting <laughs> sort of like critique because as Terrence Dix is quick to point out, if you're going to blame one doctor for being greedy for knowledge, I don't know if you'd go for John Perwey for that. I'm sure he has other vices that are much bigger that you could go for. Um, like, again, hmm? like Kung Fu, Exactly you know, like violence and murder. Um, yeah, <laughs> But like I think that like one of the things that that you kind of almost have to go with is this notion that like again like the um like the uh what's it called the 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 chase scene you can either go with them on it or you can and enjoy it for what it is and what it's trying to do or you can, you know, just say eh, no, and cross your arms and be disappointed. Um, so I'd rather go for the former rather than the latter. Um, it's the same argument as uh, Planet of Fire, where Planet of Fire basically pays off like five things that were not adequately set up. <laughs> and like you can either you can either enjoy it for paying off the lack of set or setups, or you can criticize it for uh paying off things that weren't set up and you know I'd rather just applaud it for that. And so like that's the thing I think about it, but it's also like a it's a there's a there's a weird disconnect where it's like they make a point in this to say that the Metabulus 3 colonists crashed like they didn't crash land, but they landed on Metabulus 3 and some spiders were on board and the spiders went into the caves and then took over Metabulus 3. Like, wouldn't it be better just as a thing to say that when the Doctor went to Metabulus 3 in the Green Death that he just that he that one of the spiders just walked out when he walked out and he's responsible for the spiders on Metabolist Street that just seems like a smarter move i think <laughs> just to, just to say you know what it's the doctor's fault that all this happened like i think that that's a more i don't know it's more an interesting story and it really means that the doctor has to face up to his you know his contamination evil i guess as mm-hmm. a as a point um mm-hmm. It's just one of the things I've noticed, especially if you say that, oh, maybe the Metambulist three colonists, you know, they did bring a bunch of spiders, but John Pertwee brought the great one, you know, and the great one is actually from his TARDIS. I don't know. Right. Just the thought. Just the thought. Yeah, sure. Uh, here's my question. Uh, What did you what do you think of the great one? Because I have a lot of thoughts on her, mostly positive, but I'm curious what you think just about her. Uh, I don't know. It's a really awesome visual. Yes. Um,
0: I feel like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's what that one producer always wanted out of his uh, Superman movie.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. The the John, John, I was about to say John Wells, John Peters, John Peters, John
0: Peters. Yeah. Yeah. It's what John Peters always wanted.
1: John Peters, secret, uh, secret doctor who fan. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Maybe he saw this when he was a kid. <laughs> and was just like, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> I want that in my Superman movie. <laughs> and then he put it in the Wild Wild West. Uh- <laughs> Only it was a robot.
0: Uh, no, I, I think it's just a really, really cool visual, like the giant spider. Mm-hmm. Um, but... uh. I don't know. I just... It's a bummer that this is the story that John Pertwee goes out on. Mm-hmm. As it stands. Um, because it just it just feels so random. Sure. Which I guess is fine. I mean, there's something to be said about the Doctor going out on a random adventure. I mean, that's what Caves of Androzani is all about.
1: Sure. Um, but uh, it's just... I don't know. Sure. It's... Yeah. Well, I mean, Legopolis is the same way. I mean, it, it, but it's interesting to think about. It's like wh- when it comes to... Well,
0: Legopolis to re- has the Master. Sure. It's like a big Master Showdown thing. After Sh- the Master returns and then he kills the Doctor. It's like a... Uh, 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 what am I thinking? It's like a... Um, uh, it's like a mirror thing, kind of, you know? like. Sure. Like the Master comes back... In one episode and or one story, and then the very next story, he kills the doctor.
1: Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's like a coming back sort of thing. I I, yeah. I see that. I think that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's certainly it's certainly not as random as the doctor is eventually killed. Am I am I right, Sylvester McCoy? Um, but it, <laughs> it definitely. I don't know. There's something. I think there's something to be said about like. Uh, it's it's kind of mythic, but like. It's kind of, like, mythic, just in the way that it, like... I don't know, just... Whenever I think of Planet of the Spiders, like... Planet of the Spiders, as a title, is one of the sexiest Doctor Who titles I've ever heard. Like... Yeah. It it just... It just says so much with its... With its... I mean, economy of language. Like, Planet of the Spiders, you just hear that, and you're like, ooh. It just gives you... It just gives you... Like, shivers, even without having seen a single frame. Um... But no, I do see that, that that it this you could easily do this as any other story. It's just the way that it plays out just happens to result in the doctor's death. Um, like you know, he technically could have gone out in the green death or something. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it or- just doesn't feel like there's any personal connection to the doctor in this story. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, I- and like what you said, what your idea was, like that, I would have. I think I would have felt more satisfied with it.
1: Mhm. In that case, sure. And I, and I, I, definitely think that there are problems to it. But I, th- I do think that like where they want to hit at home, they do hit at home. Because one, like, what I think is interesting about the Great One, besides just the visual of the Great One, um, that wonderful reverse shot of her in episode six, is the way that the Doctor is enticed into her lair in episode five. Like that scene where the Doctor, where where the Doctor hears Sarah Jane and. And he, like, runs to find her, and he comes across the Great One, and then the Great One makes him walk is... I, I I don't know. I think it's one of the scariest Pertwee scenes in his entire run. Like, I mean, you know, Autons is clearly scarier, because Autons scared the crap out of me when I first watched that um, uh, in Spearhead from Space. But Pertwee really sells the scene and his fear of the Great One in a way that... It gets me every time. Like, watching him go from being cool, calm, and collected, which he is in every story, like, Pertwee's got the upper hand in every story, to being just so terrified and demanding that she make him stop Walk is just uh, a crazy thing. Like, it's just one of the one of the craziest things I've ever seen on Doctor Who in a way that it's, like, really kind of, like, a violation. Um, and it just... I don't know, it just makes the Great One, like, a legitimately scary threat, especially the part where she makes Sarah Jane sing a nursery rhyme. Um, and turn the Doctor's own companion's voice against him. It's just all interesting, and I really love, like, those things, um, as a thing. It just t- speaks to me, I guess, is the word. Um... Mm-hmm. Also, Cassandra pointed out something Freudian about how... <laughs> the spider needs the phallic object to be whole again. Um, but, uh, oh, I don't need to go into that. She pointed that out, and then I was like, and then I said to her, you know, it's actually probably not a bad observation because they were supposed to do something Freudian with the doctor and the master, where he was the id and the doctor was the ego, or something like that. So Freud was definitely on Barry Lutz's mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that was um, that's the thing about the great one that I just find insane is like her introduction in episode five is just nuts like it's just crazy to me every time i watch it it's just it's there it's just there man (laughs) uh what else um i think i think that the uh there's this weird like vaguely southwest thing going on where it feels like the people who are uh, who who are living on Medebelis 3 in that township are like straight out of something from like the American Southwest which in like you know the late 19th century or something where they live in ranch houses and <laughs> wear ridiculous clothes and there's like stuff in the background you know I don't know it's just it's just all the designs on this are really kind of Weird and out there Mm -hmm. In a weird way Um, It just sticks sticks out to me Sticks out to me Uh. Uh,
0: If I never see chanting on Doctor Who again It'll be too soon I think
1: (laughs) There's a lot of chanting
0: Oh man is there a lot of chanting
1: Yeah a lot of meditative chanting Which is I mean arguably the most boring Of all chanting You're not wrong (laughs) <laughs> so much chanting. Um That said, the the cross cut at the end of episode one I think is really excellent. Like Yeah. No it yeah. is. Yeah. It's creepy. <laughs> and watching watching the guy die and then the spider appear at the end is really kind of like an iconic cliffhanger to me. Like it just like it's really kind of like a here we go moment in the way that like a Dalek appearing is a here we go moment. So yeah. it's just uh something i guess i should point out. All right, we should probably talk about the regeneration because that's what everyone probably wants to hear about. Yeah.
0: Um okay, so I just want to talk about the fact that i'm so glad uh we Doctor Who as a concept is now beyond the idea of let's regenerate show the person and then that's it <laughs> <laughs> because uh we've now we ended we ended uh we ended the 10th planet like that not the war games uh we ended
1: legopolis ends with that
0: yeah legopolis ends like that um and i guess that's it yeah yeah but it's i hate that i hate that ending Like, the regeneration itself is not impressive. It's not interesting. Sure. Like, I think it ruins the ending of the Tenth Planet because him just turning into somebody else doesn't do anything. Like, if you don't know anything about regeneration – I mean, they technically didn't know anything about regeneration. But you have to let him get up and walk around. So that you're like, oh, he's okay, but he's a different person. That's weird. And then you leave. Don't just be like, look, we're dissolving camera shots and we're gone. And I just, I don't know. That's not not a good enough ending for me.
1: You know, I'm actually going to completely disagree with you on that one. Uh, Mostly because like... The thing about the tenth planet that's weird is that you don't really expect the doctor to die. And like it if you come at it from the perspective of it's nineteen sixty six and you just watch the doctor collapse in the TARDIS and what the hell is going on, you get this you get this moment of like, Where's the Doctor going? And then you get Patrick Troughton and it's just like, I don't know what's happening. Um I, I agree here, I wish that there was a little bit more I agree more in Castro Volva, honestly. Um, although Castor Or Legopolis ends... I mean, Legopolis ends... Like, poorly. I wish they had gone on for another second. And you have Peter and saying, like, what's next? Or some cool opening line. Um, right. But I feel like... I feel like... It, Tenth Planet, totally different discussion. Totally different discussion. Um, but yeah, they should do the... Uh, he gets up and says something. Like, just says one word. Because at least... That's right. In Legopolis, he actually does sit up. Like, that is... Does he? No, he just smiles. Oh, that's right. He smiles. And then in Volva before the opening credits, he sits up. That's right. Um, which I would like. I don't know. I would love to see him sit up in Legopolis and say, well, that was a thing. Um <laughs> something. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I think that there's a quiet meditation to this that I find I like. Um, because... <laughs> My God, watching John Pertwee die is really hard. Um, Like, really hard. Uh, And I think part of the reason for that is Pertwee, as a doctor, like, what he brought to the doctor was a, um... He was like, I don't know how to play the doctor. And they're just like, eh, just be yourself. So Pertwee was like, alright, I'm gonna eat in every story and I'm gonna drive some cool cars. (laughs) And Uh then he he was the doctor. And the thing that gets me about Planet of the Spiders that I realized the last time I watched it was like why does watching John Pertwee on the floor get you so much, as opposed to, like, other people? Because, like, in Games of Ranger it's pretty messed up. But it's not... It doesn't hit you at on an emotional level when he's regenerating... Like, when he's talking to Perry at the end. It doesn't hit you on an emotional level as much as it does in Planet of the Spiders. And I think part of the reason for that is because when you watch Planet of the Spiders, you kind of are watching John Pertwee just die. And it's really hard. <laughs> like... Like really hard. That makes um, sense. Yeah, yeah. And I like the. Um, there's something really exciting about the promise of seeing Tom Baker lying flat on the floor because w- when you get to you know Robot, he is just all over the place. And when you get to all his later stuff, like you know he's running around, and there's like a kind of like a quiet tranquility moment that makes you feel better. I think. Um, I mean, I'm of the opinion that the only reason i can get through end of time is because of seeing matt smith pop his head forward after he's regenerated you know like that pop forward the second that happens i'm always okay but until then i'm just a you know a blubbering mess um and i think that you need that moment so that it's not super dark where you're like okay this is gonna be okay at the end and i think that Brigadier's last line of, well, here we go again, is one of my favorite line deliveries of Nicholas Courtney's ever. Um, Just because it's so, like, sardonic, but also like, eh, doctor, you know? (laughs) Yeah. In a weird way. Um, Because, like, the War Games, the War Games is just soul-crushing, because after all that, you don't get to know that it's okay. There's no... There's no warm hog at the end. But I
0: like that. I like that ending Mm -hmm. because it's not – I don't know. You're not left. Like I feel like it would have been more interesting if you almost left Planet of the Spiders on, well, here we go again, and you don't even cut back to the doctor. Hmm, That's interesting. I think that would have been an interesting – a more interesting way to end, like either show Tom Baker get up and say something or cut there
1: hmm interesting i don't know I don't know if I agree with that honestly um i'd have to I'd have to think about it my my gut reaction is to say no, especially because the regeneration effect is so simple, um kind of like a just a, it's a very small transition as opposed to like the giant explosion energy fountain of now um I don't know. I'd have to think about it because I think that seeing Tom Baker makes me feel better. Every time I watch this, seeing Tom Baker makes me feel better. It makes me get over the death of John Pertwee. See, uh, but it doesn't
0: make me feel better because it's not John, or it's not Tom Baker. It's some dude just laying there. Mm. Like there's no personality in the corpse that I'm seeing appear
1: in John Pertwee's place. You Interesting. Know? See, I see it as the promise of something new. Like uh, Choji, in, a, in an early part of the story, I think in episode one, says uh, the old man will fall, will will die, and the new man will awaken to find with it to his delight that he has ne- that he never existed. Um, there is something about seeing a new doctor that bleeds. Uh, not bleeds but just like just like uh, makes me believe in the promise of the future regardless of the fact that it's Tom Baker like i feel like i feel like i get the same thing with um davison and Logopolis, although Logopolis is not handled with nearly as much craft as this is um i don't know i feel i i don't know i find more joy from the promise yeah it would be great if but you know what it should be it should literally just be like Tom Baker on the ground. So like you do the transition and then Tom Baker on the ground for a second, and then his eyes pop open, cut to black. Bam. There you go. That's my ending. That's my That ending. yeah, that that would be better than this. Yes. Especially cuz his eyes are so iconic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be a hell of a thing. That's that should be that should be like a regeneration someday as you just see like the eyes pop open, cut to black. Or, like, then you get the music sting and then you cut to credits. That'd be nuts. Yeah. That'd be nuts.
0: That'd be a good regeneration.
1: Yeah. But, no, I definitely... No, I see what you mean. Um, I see what you mean. And I do think that, like, there's, there's like, little tweaks to make the story better. Like, every time I watch this story, I feel like just a couple changes would make me like the story more. Because, like, you know, this story clearly wants to be the best Pertwee story that there is. But, like, you know, there's a number of Pertwee stories that are better. Like, Time Warrior is better. Inferno's better. Spearhead from Space is better. Silurians, I'd argue, is better. Um, uh, Ambassadors of Death, Carnival of Monsters—I know you haven't seen them, but they're better. Um, but yeah, that's that's really what I'm left with is like it's it's you know it's not, I don't think it. I don't think it necessarily fulfills quite the promise of what it of what it sets up. But it's definitely. I don't know. I think it's, I, de- I think it's definitely one of the stronger regeneration stories. I do like it more than Legopolis. Um, I do find I like it more than 10th planet. Um, yeah, and I do. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, and it's definitely up there. And the last scene is amazing. Like one of my favorite uses of a Dutch angle in all of Dr. Who, like mm-hmm. just an amazing Dutch angle as Sarah Jane is lying over John Pertwee. Like it's amazing. Um,
0: and I do love that John Pertwee keeps his leg up after he dies. <laughs>
1: you know what time lord rigor mortis we don't really ever talk about it but it just it's fast it is fast acting (laughs) it was
0: just more comfortable and he doesn't care (laughs) (laughs) final act of defiance yeah (laughs) you're supposed to be dead John put your leg down I'm not putting my leg down
1: I am dead it's uncomfortable do not tell me to act right now (laughs) I got this uh. Oh, also, real quick thing I love. I love that when Sarah steps on the map that that Lupton's standing on, or the, the Advent calendar or whatever it is, the Zodiac, I guess. The Zodiac mat. And the Doctor runs to her and it transitions to Metabulus 3, I think is one of my favorite effects. Like, just every time I see it, I just go, whoa, you know? Like, just, it works. Even though the CSO is rubbish. Like, it's really bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: they tried really hard with that blue screen
0: When the uh, When the Humobile flies Yo, they tried so hard They tried so hard Everyone involved just tried so hard Well, that's what
1: Barry Letts think Barry Letts love that Love that blue screen. Love that green screen. Like that was his that was like his favorite thing. And then you like I don't know, he directs uh what was it? Terror of the Autons. And like you just watch Terror of the Autons and every so often there'll be blue screen where you clearly didn't need it. And it's like, really? We're gonna Okay. We're gonna do that. <laughs> uh, um That's funny. But yeah. I don't know. It's uh
0: <laughs> It's, it's definitely- just it's so funny because like the biggest reason why his the blue screen doesn't work in this era of Doctor Who is because the way blue screen works is you have stuff shot that is putting behind on the blue screen and then you've got stuff shot that's being shot in front of the blue screen. Well, they use two different cameras on exteriors and interiors. So when you do blue screen <laughs> of of this car flying around outside, it's it's. Uh, a video car shot on film background, background,
1: <laughs> and it just looks even worse than it ever could possibly look. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird to see the homobile glowing that yellow glow. really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Barry Letts, Barry Letts loves his uh, loves his green screen. But yeah, thumbs up on Planet of the Spiders. One of uh, one of like. I mean, it's it's definitely a story that I like more than I think is good, um, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, but it's definitely yeah, it's definitely it's definitely up there. It was one of the perfect stories I made sure to buy, um, as uh, did I. Yeah. So and I like I don't know I like going through these uh, through TDC because it's really like a good excuse to like buy the ones I want, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's something I look forward to. We'll not be buying Time Lash. That's just I'm going to throw that out there right now. I'm going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> all
0: right, well before we move on, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by dcbservice.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop, you can pre-order from dcbservice.com. You place your orders about 3 months in advance. Uh, with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts that are 40% off. Uh, you ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like and you only pay six ninety-five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Go there and pre-order some cool stuff.
1: <clears throat> yeah, do that.
0: Yeah, next week, uh, we've got the uh, future villain of uh, Thor, The Dark World. Uh, in the form of Christopher Eccleston, and uh, his story "Aliens in London: World War 3 which is my least favorite Christopher Eccleston story.
1: I love "Aliens in London: World War 3 I know it has farting aliens. It. I hate despise it. That's that's great. I love it. I love it. Oh. I'll also like to point out that uh, I don't know how this happened, but <laughs> and I didn't mention this. But we have actually less than 150 stories to cover. So, go us. Wow. Go us. Yeah. Yeah. That does not include Fifth Doctor stories that we still haven't covered, which includes, like, the first season of Fifth Doctor – or, Eleventh Doctor, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. Which we probably will have to cover at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, this is definitely uh, – we're, we're in the uh, less than 150 range mark, which is really exciting. Uh, so, up on deck after Aliens of London World War III, we're going back to William Hartnell and watching the Ark which is a really interesting story, Uh, has one of the weirdest Act 2 cliffhangers I've ever seen, because it's like, wait a minute, what? Um, Because it's like two two two-part stories. It's weird. You'll see. Uh, And then we're going to do 42, which is that uh, 10th Doctor story set in real time. And then after that, we're not completely sure, because it's probably dependent on when New Who comes back. Which, as of this moment, we're probably about an hour and 15 minutes away from finding out. Uh, yep. Because so <laughs> you know, you know, because we haven't seen the trailer yet for the new season that actually premieres later tonight. Um, But the, uh, you know that they're putting a release date up at the end of that trailer. You yeah. That. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so <laughs> if you followed us on Twitter, you would know when Doctor Who's coming back. Yep. So, there you go. So, uh, we'll, we'll try and think of, uh, we might
0: finagle the schedule to try and do something special before we head out to New Who. Not that we're going anywhere for very long. It's only five weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we should uh, I think we should make something special later. This is really just a small sidestep, really. So it's true. And you know what the worst that. part is?
0: Like we're gonna have five weeks of new episodes. And then we're gonna have to wait for the until the Christmas special. We're gonna get that. And you just know that we're not gonna get the rest of the season right after like they're going to be like yeah no the new season it'll, the rest of the season will premiere in march and february it's like,
1: i'll bet you it's february you think yeah i'll bet God, you it's february. i hope so no because it's got to be february because they gotta they gotta put it out so that they can do specials later next year and get something going for the 50th and yeah of the year. i guess that's so, true so they can't push it they won't push it too far back and besides the idea is that you know they're going to run like five episodes now do a christmas special and then come back really early in the new year and they're gonna burn off like eight episodes, so it's not like, you know, we got we got a bunch to come. So it's right, good. Well, that's good. Might do something <sighs> special, might not. I don't. I don't even know what is special. We could do an all-big finish production day. Maybe I don't know. That'd be interesting. Uh yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh,
0: that's what we're coming back to. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter. I'm slash Corelli. Uh, Twitter.com slash Scott Commentary is where I live tweet things from time to time. Uh, and also go check out our other podcast, The Mind Robbers, because uh, if you like us here, you'll probably
1: love us there. So, <laughs> And if you love us here, I don't even want to know what you're going to think of us. You're going to um, lose your goddamn mind. Yeah. You know what? Email us and tell us <laughs> and tell us because I'd like to know that word. Um, <laughs> uh, Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash You can also find me at my alternative Twitter account, twitter.com slash GD Commentary, uh, where I post random thoughts about cool things. Um, also, my blog, com, where I review Doctor Who episodes that are classic. Um, this week I did Sensorites. Next week I'm doing Dragonfire. And, and very soon I'll be doing Shadow, which I don't know. That's going to be an interesting blog. I'm just going to say that, because I have some stuff planned, and uh, it'll be interesting. So, look forward to that goodness, because I don't know. Shada, we'll find out. <laughs> that should be that should really be the Shada tagline. Shada, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, leave iTunes
0: re- reviews, guys, uh, and uh, go to the website and comment. So, until uh, then, until next time. Bye. Bye!